Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to another edition of Taekwondo Life Magazine Live. I am Mark Sirianis. I'm your host, the editor-in-chief of Taekwondo Life Magazine, and a third Don Black Belt. The subject of today's discussion on our podcast and interview is Master Maggie Messina. Master Messina is a seventh-degree black belt running the Tai Cole Taekwondo Dojang in Albertson, New York. She is a gold medal winner, a competitive champion, a master and instructor, and an advocate for progressive thinking, fairness, and equality in the martial arts. Master Messina graced the cover of our March-April 2019 edition with a story written by Black Belt Rebecca Glavin. Master Messina's army of fans and followers made that edition one of the best-selling in the history of the magazine. She has a strong following because she is out in front of issues that are important to young practitioners. And she is not just simply walking the walk, but talking the talk in terms of the philosophies that she teaches in her dojang. I've enjoyed speaking to her and meeting her. I met her a little more than a year ago through a common association um, with Senator Elaine Phillips, who is also a martial arts practitioner and who was featured in, in a prior magazine that, that, that we did with an interview by Nicholas Isaacs. So I hope you will be inspired by this episode and I hope you will pick up a copy of the March-April 2019 edition of Taekwondo Life magazine to find out more about Master Messina and visit her website and many of the uh, links that we put in our show notes for her initiatives, Swerve, Female Fighters Matter 2, her Facebook and Instagram. Thank you and enjoy. Today we are talking with Master Maggie Messina, who is, among other things, our March-April edition uh, cover story, um, a story that was written by White Park Black Belt and staff writer uh, Rebecca Glavin. Uh, Master Messina is uh, runs the uh, Tai Cole uh, Taekwondo Dojang in Albertson, New York, which has been, if, if I'm not mistaken, has been voted one of the best um, martial arts schools on Long Island. Uh, is very well renowned. Uh, she is a seventh don, seventh degree black belt in Taekwondo. And I'm, I'm happy to have her here today to talk a little bit about her uh, cover story and, and about some in, new initiatives that, that she's working on. Thank you for joining us, Master Messina. Hi. Thank you for having me. Very good. So tell me, for those listeners that are not familiar with you from you know, our story and for, from other um, stories that have been written about you, tell me a little bit about your Taekwondo background. You My are, Taekwondo? I'm a, so I started my Taekwondo uh, training as a, as a private student under Sir Henry Cho in the 80s and then uh, trained 
and then later on needed to find a school closer to home. So I started training in Brooklyn, New York under Grandmaster Sochong Kong. And uh, my my journey started there and uh, I fell in love with it. And I uh, just wanted to do be there 24 um, seven. And later on, just as I got a little bit older, I, I, I was looking for a good school in Long Island after I had uh, moved I couldn't find one so I decided that uh might be a good place and a good time to open up my own and I did and the uh things just grew and uh the rest is is history. That's great. Yeah. What year did you open the um what year did you open in the current location? The current location is two thousand one. I ran a uh off site network in New York City beforehand. And I worked at like the Trump Towers, did after school programs. I had a couple of uh, uh, private private in-house uh, trained people in their homes that, you know, uh, well, well-to-do people that couldn't, uh, you know, travel into, go to martial arts schools, kind of had to keep a private kind of uh, life. And, uh, and later on, I wanted to create the same thing in Long Island when I was uh, – moving and uh, just could not find a good school. It was really, really hard. Uh, you know, a lot of the schools were very little. Uh, they weren't the nicest, uh, like no working bathrooms. You know, and then sometimes you can go into a school and the, the, the instructor just doesn't look the part. And I think training where I did in in uh, in Brooklyn and especially in the Korean, under the Koreans, I, I was spoiled. So I c- couldn't find that same type of environment to train where they're just that hardcore training. So, uh, yeah. So then I opened up here and, um, then soon enough I started creating the exact same thing I had in the city, but I had a headquarters. So now I, we run approximately 18 offsite programs in different schools and temples and, um, uh, like, uh, community centers and our schools, our headquarters. And uh, it was a lot of work, a lot of running back and forth. I, I taught in the city in the morning. I came here and taught in the afternoon. And then I went back to the city at night with 8, 9 o'clock clients. So, you know, I really worked really super hard, did a lot of running around. It was a lot harder than it sounds. I mean, people come in and they see what we've done, and it was a lot harder. You know, sometimes you could see things today and you say, oh, wow, that's, like, so great. You know, like, I'm, I want to do the same thing. But sometimes people don't understand the work that – and the hard, you know, hours, long hours, and the uh, sacrifice that goes into building a successful martial arts school. Absolutely. I, I think you're right, and I think uh, the, the sacrifice is evident. And, and for those who have an opportunity to uh, visit your um, facility, it is, uh, it is aesthetically pleasing as well as being very thoughtfully laid out and uh, it, it, it has a, uh, a great, which I, is always important to me, it has a, a, a great vibe. It has a, um, a, an encouraging vibe for, for people, I think, um, that walk in and are looking for a, a serious training atmosphere. So I think that's pretty, pretty cool. For someone who's been in, in the martial arts during the period of time that you have, um, yeah. what would you consider to be some of the most significant changes over time? Um, from your days in, you know, in, in, in your early training in, in Brooklyn and then coming to Long Island and, and, and opening the Dojang, uh, what, what do you consider to be some of the most significant changes in, uh, in the martial arts during, during that period of time? 
Okay, I will. I'm going to say um, I'm going to go in, in sort of like an order because I think sure. one, you know, is what brought the other. So I will say that definitely women in the martial arts. Uh, there was a period of time that I was the only woman in the in the school practicing on the floor for like two years. And when you're one of the very few women in the school, if if the only one, it was very challenging because you have two types of people that, that you're going to have the, the type of person that's going to take a woman serious and, and treat you just like any other, or you're going to have the other one, you know, you're going to have another type of person that may treat you like a woman and, and not want to, you know, touch you or whatever, which, you know, as an, as a martial artist isn't doing the woman any favors. So, right. you know, and I mean, we're all there to train, um, you know, and it was, it, it was really tough, especially, you know, back then in the eighties and I can't even imagine for the women in the seventies, but, uh, because it just wasn't a place for a woman. So there are some times when, you know, they will do anything they can or, or they think they should to try to get you to quit. And unfortunately I was on, at the end of that for some time, but being a twin and being one of 11, 11 siblings, I'm not a quitter. And I'm like right in the middle of number six. So there was no quitting in my vocabulary. So, uh, you know, you, you know, you, you're, you're at the end of some really hard training. Uh, you're, you know, my instructor once said, and I, I, I totally agree with this today is we don't have men and women here. We have martial artists. So as long as you're going to be a martial artist this is where you belong, if you're going to be one or the other, and it may not be the place. And it's, 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 it's the absolute truth. And this is what I tell all of my students today as well, because, you know, women, we want to be treated. We want equal rights. We want everything the men or someone else has. So therefore, yeah, if, if that's what you want, that's great. But there's stuff that comes along with that. And, you know, it's not like you can pick a particular apple off the apple tree. You have to come, you have to go with what it is, what it is. So uh, I will say women in the martial artists has definitely uh, changed. There's so many more women in the martial arts today. Uh, you know, as I compete and I travel around the world, I mean, it's just, it, I, it just blows my mind how, how much more, how many more women are present, which is a great thing. And I think because there are more women in the martial arts, the children's programs in the martial arts uh, schools have grown tremendously. Because, uh, you know, where, where there's women, there there's more like that motherly instinct than that trust for younger children. Uh, when I practiced in back in the day, there were children's programs, never anyone younger than five. It's that. There are a lot of schools start. But now I look and I see early, uh, large children's programs in most schools. They're even... Um, I'm fortunate enough where I have a good adult teen population, but there are some schools that operate they only teach kids programs. Uh, so I definitely think that's a major change as well. I, I would agree with those things. And, and I think it's, it's, it's really interesting for me, having been in the martial arts for in Taekwondo for such a long time to see where currently where I train the number of high performing uh, women that we have, um, that many of them that I've watched from, and you, I'm sure that you certainly had this experience more than, than me in the position that you're in, but who have come, who I, I saw come in as, as little girls who are now, right. you know, women and who are just 
amazing martial artists and amazing human beings and and becoming instructors and and on their way to being being masters and it really is inspiring and i think you know what you say is true and um you know one of the things that i i really value about the taekwondo experience is particularly as we we move forward is the mm. fact that uh, many of these things are um you know they're they're that, that you're that people are judged based upon their performance and not based on on other things i had a great conversation with uh uh, the late Grandmaster uh, Junri's son, and we were talking about his dad, um, you know, being so far ahead of his time in terms of uh, civil rights and, and in terms of, it, you know, during times where things were even segregated. And, and he, from his perspective, a student, again, a martial artist is a martial artist. You're not a black martial artist or a male martial artist. Or, right. Uh, right. You're, you're a martial artist. And I, and, and, and I love, I, I love that, that, that progression and where we are and hopefully as, as we have more, you know, women and people of diversity coming up in it, it, it will continue to just get flourish and, and, and be better and better. Yeah, you know, you know, it's funny that you say about the race. You mentioned that, you know, not only am I a woman, but I'm Caucasian. And uh, coming up through the ranks today, believe it or not, I'll, I'll, once in a while I'll have um, someone come in, you know, maybe an old, old older gentleman, a Korean practitioner or grandmaster, and uh, you know, basically come in and say who's the grandmaster, and, and when I or who's the master, and when I say it's me, pretty much just look at me and laugh and, and insult me in my own house, pretty much. And um, I used to really get upset about that. It used to really bother me, and I would look at the person and you know angrily say, "You need to leave." Today I look and I say, "Wow, you know, I, I just I, I'm sad for that person because you've obviously never shared." Uh, one of the greatest things about the art and that's about it. It's growing from one generation to the next from men to different cultures and sharing what it's about and doing what it was made out to do. I know my grandmaster, he just loved the art. He loved to teach and uh, never much for making money and getting rich. So when a lot of the things, you know, in the, in the 60s and 50s, 60s and 70s, when there was opportunity for him to make a lot of money, he turned it down because it's not what he wanted to do with it. And, uh, you know, that that's one thing I have to say. Uh, there's just so many different uh, cultures teaching it now. And with culture comes education and comes knowledge. And uh, I'm lucky enough where my school is, is that it's very multicultural. So I have yes. many, many different people from different backgrounds, and it, it, it what it does for me, I learn about their cultures, but yet I'm a, I can teach their cultures. There are different ways of, you know, as much as like hugging your children or you know, sure. showing love and, and educating and the importance of exercise, not just sitting behind the books, and uh, you know why it's important. And, and at the same time, they're educating me on their culture, which is, you know, one of the greatest things. I have to say about being in the position that I'm in. So uh, I'm ha definitely happy to see that all changing as well. Yeah, that is great. It is, it is great, and, and and it excites me as well. Um, and and hopefully it's it's one of the positive things that will continue to um, develop in in generationally in in the martial arts. Let's switch gears yeah. a little bit. I know you just recently um, uh, participated in an event. That is not the first time. It's, it's uh, I believe it's an annual event at uh, City Field for for martial yes, arts. Yes, yes, yes. Tell us a little bit about that and your involvement in that. And 
Sure. Um, so City Fields is an annual event that we run, and it's uh, it's about uh, empowering people and, and letting people know about martial arts. What is martial arts? It's not just the kicking and punching. It's about building the best version of yourself or us building the best version of your children. You know, you know, parents, yes, we bring our children up, but it takes a good it could take a town or a city to help really build the best version of a, of a one person. So through that, uh, the city field, I was asked to organize that, uh, one year. And, uh, every year we go back, we have a bigger crowd and more people learn about the martial arts and, and really what it's about, because there's so many people that, you know, may hear a story from a friend or may have one, one, uh, you know, uh, one, one, uh, sorry experience with one school but it doesn't mean it's the world of, of, of you know it doesn't mean that every school is like this so it gives people the opportunity to see what it's like and and the unity that it builds and the good things that it does for you know even par- as parents parents of a martial artist it's a commitment for the parents as well as it is for the kids but you know we learn so much from one another and so we bring it to city field it's, it's an athletic uh, community so they see the athleticism of martial arts, but they also see how, how it teaches the children to, to, you know, how confident it makes them, teaches them how to handle themselves. And it's like, I like to call it, it's like almost like they're being educated by an Ivy League school throughout their childhood. They're being taught the lessons of how to speak to people, uh, their, their inner confidence, to look at people when you're speaking to them and to treat each other as you want others to treat you. And, you know, in, in a martial arts school, you know, in the right school, you know, we, we teach you about bullying and how, how it affects the people being bullied and how it affects, you know, both sides of it. And you're just, you know, teaching other people that this is the education of a good school and this is what we're trying to do here. It's not just like uh, the Karate Kid blood, even in the Karate Kid movie, there's a good story there, but in blood sport, it's not just beat right. each other up and, and that's it. It's it, matter of fact, that's just a small, such a small part of it, especially when it comes to the children's program. It's about building the best version of your child and allowing us to help you. So, uh, you know, the martial arts day is to help spread that value about the martial arts. So people aren't, you know, it's very easy for someone to have an example of something or to have, uh, an interaction with something and to just take that as, oh, well, you know, martial arts is bad. It's about kicking and punching. I saw this other kid kick this other kid and blah, 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 and make the whole our judgment on just that one experience. So we're hopefully out there in the, in the public eye to show them, hey, you know what? It's, it's actually quite different than what you might think. And, it, and it's a great thing because, you know, people come up to us. And yet we get calls afterwards, and, and people, even the, even the managers at the Mets, they're just blown away um, uh, by a, 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 the side of the martial arts they may not have known that was a So, you know, it's a win-win for everyone because it is in uh, Queens. So it's, you know, the boroughs, Jersey, Connecticut, it, you know, it fosters out to everyone. It draws, yes, it's able to draw a, a, a very significant demographic. Well, you know, in terms of these types of campaigns and and uh, this this these types of outreach, I know that uh, in reading the article and speaking to Rebecca and in doing my research on you that you um, are involved have these these two initiatives, 
um, Swerve and the female fighters matter too. And I, I want—I think it's a great opportunity for you, in your own words, for to be able to explain what that is, um, so that people understand it and and you know what that's about and and, and what what you're looking to do with that. Sure, uh, Swerve Swerve is an organization campaigns that we run, all the campaigns that we hope to run and that we do run, we run that is in hopes of uh, bringing change to whatever the campaign. And an FFM2 Female Fighters 2 is one of the campaigns that we're presently running, which is very, very dear to my heart. I've been competing since I was 18, 19 years old. I actually competed at Sir Henry Cho's tournament in Madison Square Garden when he had it, if you remember. How big sure. that used to be, yeah, and it's it's a shame, but it's no more. But and I remember competing there, and and in so many other tournaments around the world. And because women are so new to the art itself, let alone competing, it was always you know oh well the women yeah they want to do something. There's only going to be a few of them, so let's just set them over here by the closet or by the bathroom and get their division done. And I remember being on the receiving end of that, always feeling like unimportant or not as important. And sure. then being a lot less money for, for winnings and uh, just not being taken seriously because, again, not only are we new to the martial arts, now we're new to this competing, the, the competitive world. So after watching this so many times throughout my years, uh, there was a tournament in Detroit, and it was the WKC Nationals. And there was a tournament to follow that was offering the men a thousand dollars and the women, I believe, two hundred. And I remember seeing this and it just being so appalled. And I said to sure. myself, "This has got to stop. This is just not right." And then realizing, like, wow, you know, I have the power to change this one personal event, this one particular event. So I, I contacted the person promoting it, and 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 I said, "Listen, I'll put the money up and let's." let's make the women's thousand at first they thought I was joking and uh, when they realized I wasn't uh, that's what happened and it kind of like made me feel really good to be able to you know be at least try to bring change to that so then within months to come I just started doing that with more tournaments I mean basically taking the money out of my pocket saying here here's the prize money for the women and it's something that it's almost it's something that caught you know, a lot of tread and is now world known. And um, we call it the FFM2 Female Fighters Manor 2. And the logo is like a um, a sorority logo. So everybody's wearing the sorority logo now and bringing attention to Female Fighters Manor. And, you know, promoters will tell you, well, we don't really offer the women the money because they don't really come. There's not that many. There's more men. While that is true, I have found through business, if you don't build it, no one will come. If you build sure. it, people will come. And, yes, you're not going to build it in one year, two years. It may take a few years. But if you're really passionate about the cause and it's, it's something you really want, you'll be willing to put in that time to help build it. And I know I am, and I am hoping that through the campaigns to have others, you know, that feel the same same way uh, do the same. We actually had Jesse King, one of the tournaments in New York, and he's ran the king of New York for many, many years. And next this year, he's he's changed it, and he's actually calling it the Queen of New York, which I oh, think wow. I yeah I was blown away when I heard this, and I was so happy that I said, you know what, I'm going to sponsor all your women's scrams, and we're going to make them exactly what the men are, because it was like this yeah this is 
thank, thank you, because this is exactly what we're looking to do. You know, it's not about somebody being their ego being out there or, 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 or money or all this. It's about bringing attention to what's right. So, sure. you know. And, you I know, mean, anyone, who, think, who, anyone who doesn't understand um, the value of um, female fighters, I mean, you know, I think people want to see good competitive athleticism and, and matches. I, I was a guest absolutely. of PF, PFL last week uh, at their um, – their op- the opening of their second season. And the main event was uh, Kayla Harrison, who's two-time, for those who aren't familiar with her, two-time uh, U.S. Olympian in, in judo. She's probably the right. most, um, she's probably the most successful female uh, judo practitioner in collegiate history. And she was the main card and, and the event was sold out. So, I mean, there was no, you know, there was no ticket differential when they have their main event next week for the, uh, the welterweights or the middleweights for and and there's a male card. It'll be the same ticket price, and they had no problem drawing uh, drawing a full crowd. So um, people came to see a good 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 matches, and that's I, I, exactly. And, and, I, and, and I think it's a matter of, of seeding yeah. seeding it. And I think you did a great job of of, of 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 bringing the matter. You know, and again, I think to some degree, people uh, we we do it this way because it's always been done this way, and people didn't have the ability to think outside the box. Right. And I think people don't understand that I won't say understand people. Sometimes we don't realize the power that we have to change. You know, we all have power to change things, but yet due to society or what someone may have taught us or what we've made have been made to think of ourselves, we, we don't see the power that we have. And I think once people start to see, wow, you know, I can do this and it's a good thing. And you see the positive impact it has, you know, then things really start to change. But again, it takes time. And, you know, I, always, I, I said to myself, you know, I'd be a hypocrite if I sit down and I watch our younger generation go through the exact same thing we went through without trying to be, to do something to start the trend, you know, to tr- start to start something to change. And um, that's what the swerve is about. It's about helping others change direction through diversity or, or whatever have you, any type of um, hardship. So uh, the female fighters is one of one of many of the campaigns that we run, and I, I and I have to say right now it is one of my proud, proudest, my uh, my most proud because of uh, it just you know it warms my heart to see, and uh, also being in the field of training and being in the competitions myself, uh, it, it's just heartwarming to see that we can make things different. And as far as good fighters, a lot of good female fighters out there, but I will tell you this. There's a lot of good female fighters that aren't out there, and they're not out there because of, you know, uh, the opportunity that's not out there or the the way sure. they're being treated. So I think a lot of good fighters are going really going to come start coming out, and I think it's it's really going to change the game. That's the big. Well, problem. that I think that's exciting. It's 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 it, it, it's exciting and and it's inspiring that you are a catalyst for that change. And I think that it helps not only to um, in all the ways that you've talked about, but it really does help to uh, articulate how the values that we teach in the Dojen transcend the, the, the four walls. And 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 I, I I congratulate you on your on your leadership in in that um, campaign. Now I know you you're humble, but uh, you had a, a exciting something exciting happen in the summer of uh, 2018 with Team USA. 
And I, I, I would be remiss if, if we finished up without giving you the opportunity <laughs> to, to tell, to tell about that. So I know you went to Ireland, right? And, and yeah, let, yeah. Us, let us know for those who don't know uh, what it is that you accomplished there. So uh, it was one of my bigger ones in my career. I, I, I really worked hard to get onto the WKC team and uh, the World Kickboxing Commission. And uh, I had a bad hamstring tear two years ago. So it, I was out of the games, which it was heart, heartbreaking to me because I trained so hard, but I had that bad injury and you can't do much without your hamstring attached. So I went on the DL, but then I came back last year in Ireland and I won the vote for women's uh, traditional forms. So that to me, traditional forms is very dear to my heart. It's, I've always been the, tradi- the traditionalist. Uh, I, I, I think I really get that from my great grandmaster, um, just the, the, the love of the tradition of the art. And uh, it was one of the, my proudest wins. I've, I have competed for the U.S. all over the world, but the WKC gold in Korean, women's Korean forms just, you know, I was like, yeah, okay. Now I, I, I think I've had my full. <laughs> that's so that's wonderful. Yeah, that's yeah, wonderful. So and was, from from great. from one traditionalist to another, I completely relate and uh, and understand. And I think it's partially where you again where your training comes up from. So I have trained in in, in the arts and and uh, I have had the benefit of of seeing all things. But uh, in my in my heart, the retention of tradition is and is 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 very very important in terms of I think um, keeping. Uh, what is special about the practice of the martial arts and Taekwondo in particular, um, you know, preserving it as, as continuing Absolutely. to be something special. Absolutely. So, for those who want to find out more about you uh, and get in contact with you, aside obviously from picking up the, uh, the March-April edition of Taekwondo Life magazine, uh, I know you've, you've graced the covers of, of other magazines, but tell us the best ways for people to find out a little bit more about you uh, and to get sure. in contact with you. Sure. They can go to takehold, T-A-E-C-O-L-E-T-K-D.com, or they can visit any of our pages on Instagram, uh, Facebook, uh, and any of those other social media pages, uh, takehold, T-K-D, or Swerve. S W E R drop the E. So S W E R V drop the E dot change. Terrific. And what we do is we'll um we'll link all of those um all of those in our show notes for the podcast when, when it releases. And uh one of the things that, that is when when I was putting together the uh the layout for the article, and I think for anyone who probably doesn't maybe has looked at the article but but doesn't uh, hasn't picked up on what I'm going to say. If you go back and you look at the picture, you will. So there's a picture in the opening page of the article of you surrounded by some of your your students or children, um, right. and and it is so evident that you know children don't lie and they don't fake. Their faces don't fake, and you can tell in, in photographs a lot about the environment and about um, their level of happiness and and contentment and satisfaction and um it is really wonderful to see your that, that you're surrounded by children who are all boiling over with um uh happiness and joy and and yeah. smiles from ear to ear um and it's great it's probably one of my favorite photos that we've published it's not and it's certainly not an action photo there's no boards being broken there's right. no uh, there's like, but it's a great photo because it speaks volumes i think to your relationship with your students 
and to the impact that you have on on the the people that you're working with. Yeah, I I my I love kids. My whole goal was to set set up a, a safe haven for children. I grew up very rural and very tough in in the um, foster care system. Uh, so for me to set up a safe haven somewhere kids can go, and not just with the taekwondo, but they can feel safe and they can you know express themselves and and they can laugh, they can cry, you know have that extra person to talk to is very important. And and for me not to abuse that and to keep that sacred is key because, uh, you know, it can easily be broken and uh, misused. And I just love every one of my students. I know them personally and I make it my business. And and when you love what you do, that's not hard to do. It just comes naturally. That that is wonderful. And I want to thank you for talking to us. We're talking today. Sure. To, to Master Maggie Messina, uh, seventh degree black belt, Taekwondo uh, practitioner, uh, instructor, master, competitor, activist. Um, and I, I thank you. We look forward to, uh, to following you further uh, and to speaking. And uh, we'll figure out a way to get you on the cover again down the, down the road. But thank you so much for talking to us. Thank today. you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.